Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast hoping there's adequate food. My name's Corey Hayslurst, and my partner with Propaganda is Steve Haynes. Hey, Corey. So there's a shortage of truck drivers at the moment. There's a shortage of food in some supermarkets. Nando's is running out of chicken. McDonald's is running out of milk from mil- milkshakes as well. And if that's not a sign of the apocalypse, I'm not really sure what is. Why is that going on? And I'm very excited, listeners, because we might even get Steve to talk about Brexit. What we're going to do, I suppose, Steve, is talk through an article in the Financial Times that Sarah O'Connor wrote. There's a really interesting Twitter thread as well. We can put that in the show notes. And it talks a little bit about why there's a shortage. So something we probably should say, actually, is that there's a global shortage of truck drivers at the moment for some of the reasons that she says in the article. First up, as she says, the hours are very long and very unpredictable. So at the moment, you've got an advert that's out for Class 1 drivers at the moment, and it says you'll be working a minimum of 45 hours a week on an any five from a seven day shift pattern. So your working days may change each week and could include some weekend working. You'll also be starting early morning and must be prepared to work through the night. That sounds awful. You know, I don't think you could pay me enough money to want to do that. The, the, then the article goes on to say, so obviously driving hours are limited by law. So it should be nine hours a day at the moment because of shortages, it's 10. But actually the days are much longer than that. So you've got loading, you've got the unloading, you've got enforced breaks, there's a lot of waiting. So actually, you're not working nine or 10 hours a day. You've got drivers saying they're working 15 to 13 hours typically, which is completely exhausting. Yeah, 100%, yeah. This is one of, like, like truck driving is one of those, um, those kind of jobs, which is 100% absolutely necessary for society to function. But it's one of those things you've ne- you don't really think about for the most part. We're beginning to see exactly how vital it is when I've, you can. We we're starting to see you know things not being in the shops as much as they once were. Things being slowed down. It's all kind of like starting to just kind of fall into place. This potential ticking time bomb, um, and not just for for this government, but potentially future governments as well, depending on what what happens here, because. As you say, this is a global issue where lots of countries are facing this very same same set of problems. Uh, as a result, uh, pretty much every country needs to find a way to address this and encourage more people to actually take up this, uh, this, this profession. One of the things we've had to do over the past five years is have much more knowledge of trade and supply chains than we ever really ever wanted to have. So we've talked a lot in our past Brexit episodes about how... Uh, you've got just-in-time supply chains for factories where, especially, say, JLR in Birmingham, not quite obscure Birmingham reference again, but you have parts which are being shipped from the continent to the UK and back, especially during the pandemic, a massive increase in people ordering online and people are expecting to be able to order things online and get it quicker and quicker and quicker. Brexit's meant we've had to think about things we've never really had to contemplate before, but then you've also got a society which wants you to have a, a huge amount of stuff very very quickly the shift to e-commerce as one of the more driving 
um, factors for um, like people's shopping habits. Well, it's been accelerated by the pandemic. Um, it was it was happening anyway in the background, but the fact that that trend has been accelerated, happening at the exact same time we are kind of hitting this little little crisis in terms of actually having drivers to to secure deliveries of of goods, is again like this potentially the start of that kind of perfect storm where people expect, as you say, more and more stuff to be delivered very very quickly. That we. Uh, that we don't like it when things aren't in stock and we will just go elsewhere. We don't want to order something and then have to wait a week to, to actually get it sent. We want it tomorrow. I, that's why Amazon Prime is, is so successful. So, yeah, there's, there's just lots of little things like, like that which are all just adding up here, which are going to be very problematic for the sector. And as we've said, so the hours are quite unsociable. They're quite long, especially if you've got people with families aren't necessarily wanting to do it. What that's meant is that the workforce is ageing. So it's quite a male workforce, it's ageing as well. And not many people are attracted to it, especially because actually median hourly pay has only risen 10% since 2015, whereas for all UK employees, it's 16%. What that's meant is compressed pay. You mentioned Amazon Prime. Again, a good example of a workforce where pay is very compressed and work is very... Well, it's exploitative, really, isn't it? Yeah. And, kind of, and, and piecemeal, and it's been hard to unionise. And it's especially been compressed in the truck industry because it's quite fragmented because you're competing for business with people like supermarkets who are able to push the prices down for a minimum, I suppose. And again, we, we've sort of seen that with farmers as well, I suppose, haven't they? That the, the margin for things like milk in supermarkets is very very tight if you're a farmer yeah absolutely talking about supermarkets there's something that's actually quite interesting i I came across online today which was um obviously the lack of uh, labor to like harvest crops and things like that has been a a concern and a point of discussion um but there's actually gotten gotten to a point where uh, at least some farmers are starting to just basically plow all of their crops back into the fields working on the notion that because the, the the supermarkets have driven costs down so low they might as well just kind of sack off this year if they're in a position to do so and then just wait for next year where they can basically just go well you've run out of stuff you can't get it sent in from from abroad you are beholden to us so increase your prices and what you're paying us there's potentially when it comes to food shortages uh especially a another kind of like element coming in at this in that you've got the labor shortages not just in terms of drivers but in terms of people actually um you know harvesting crops you've uh got um the fact that that people just don't want to take those jobs at all um, and then you've got actual people who are producing said crops uh, not necessarily actually harvesting them for sale or or being incapable of doing so, so. Well, as my understanding of a lot of the the work in terms of fruit picking is that often there have been people who have been willing to say to go and pick fruit but it tends to be quite casual and piecemeal so people want to go for say an hour or two at a time or afternoon at a time but actually that's not really what companies are looking for because they want people who will spend the summer living on site doing it because otherwise there's not much point in training you to become a to, to pick strawberries say um if you're only going to do it for an hour or two yeah absolutely like you cannot you could not physically get enough people uh, sorry get enough fruit picked if you were working on a, oh, it's a nice little jolly in a day, day's activity. 
rather than an actual meaningful, very hard job. There's an in, again an interesting thread from James Withers, who I think is in sort of more with a sort of Scottish food side, and he's saying that there's labour shortages in the food market at sort of every level. Ninety-three uh, percent of companies in Scotland have vacancies they're struggling to fill, and it was interesting. So I've just returned from holiday in Whitby, and it was interesting. Oh, this is more sort of hospitality than supermarket side, but in almost every pub and in every restaurant that we passed, um, there was a vacancies wanted sign. Yeah, you can you can see some of the things actually uh, in in Birmingham at points as well. There's a, there's a lot of places which are are just advertising for for people to 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 do basic like customer service style jobs in in like hospitality sector. Um, there was a an interesting little thread I saw on Twitter the other day. I can't remember who who, who it was, but they uh, basically had taken a photo of a um, you know a job uh, jobs available. Please please. Uh, seek information or apply inside for like a local costa or something like that and you just pointed out look, look at what the price what look at what the wages are look at what living wages in london not even the team leader role that they are advertising here which is like you know a more senior position and effectively a, a supervisor slash manager role is making minimum is making living wage in london and there is a much wider thing and again this isn't actually just a a UK thing either. This is happening massively over in the U- United States um, as well, where they just cannot find people to um, do the, these sorts of jobs because everybody's just kind of gone. You know what? It's just not paying enough money. It's not worth it. We can we can hold out and try try something else and try and get something else. In terms of the wages, I think it does depend on different factors. So again, this isn't the example you've just said, but looking at say truck drivers. Or, or that right wider down the food supply. So, in the James Withers thread, it talked about um, to, spoke to a, a red meat business whose trainee butcher in their abattoir is paid more than the trainee accountant at one of the big four firms, and they still can't get staff. You've got, I think there were adverts I saw for I think truck drivers for Waitrose who are on sort of uh, forty, fifty, fifty-six thousand pounds a year, which is more than an average teacher or nurse would get. So there's a couple of things, isn't there? You've got um, maybe jobs in the hospitality sector, especially probably places like London where living costs are high, where it is hard to do. But you've also got jobs where it, it, I think there's, there's a sort of very glib, especially when it's um, seen it both on the left and the right, actually, especially the Brexit stuff, where people just say, oh, well, it's um, it was just cheap foreign labour coming in undercutting wages and actually in a lot of ways it's a little bit more complicated than that so actually it's not that businesses aren't putting up wages actually they are putting up wages but the, the, the shortages are still there yeah people just don't want to do these uh these jobs funder fundamentally and it, it is going to be an interesting one because these jobs are necessary um in in, in many many ways as you say it's, this is the food chain um food supply chain we're talking about here these things need to to, to happen um and the policy, potentially policy responses to to this are going to be very uh, important, or at the very least, old, how the market responds to these. Because if if it's if putting up the uh, the wages isn't the issue, uh, or rather, if you put up the wages and you still can't attract people, that says that the wages aren't necessarily the issue, and that it's the lifestyle that goes with it, or it's the nature of the job itself that that people aren't interested in or into. And in which case, you've got to find, 
I don't know, like, bear with me for a second when, when, when I say this and let me actually complete my, my, my thought process because you're going to jump on me. Um, it's like you need to find the equivalent of, like, working from home but for, for truck drivers or, or, or whatever, but where it's something that makes the job more palatable overall and gives them the uh, gives their capacity to go yeah actually this might suck for x amount of time but i can make it more bearable by doing this thing and it's how, what that looks like i have no idea but you need to do something to kind of fix that because that's the thing that's preventing people from doing it we so if you talk about say the market solution again sarah connor in the article i think says as to james brothers to be fair that the trade-offs are if you want better pay for truck drivers if you want better conditions for truck drivers and also for fruit pickers and chicken pluckers actually that means that is reflected in the price of food yeah. and food prices need to go up of course part of the issue is that we have accepted well, there has been a for it used to be 70 or 80 years ago that most people's money went on food not housing and that's been reversed now whereas actually housing costs are massive food costs aren't necessarily actually it's it's easy to get it's cheap to, it's cheaper to eat out eating out in terms of takeaway as they just eat that that kind of stuff is uh, especially cheap meat there's lots of it about and that has massive consequences for not just on animal welfare but consequences for people's wages too that would be an obvious solution of course the problem is we talked last week about the universal credit people in poverty possibly losing that 20 pounds a week if you see an increase in inflation you're already seeing think about the ramifications of the climate crisis as well which you know, if you're going to have droughts which affect food production could well lead to inflation as well so there's it's, I don't think as simple as saying double food prices, like it's not just double truck drivers' wages, but there's a lot of issues at, at play here, really. Yeah, and as I say, and, and just to go back, when you've got the potentially the um, double or potentially triple kind of like uh, kind of like points of of contention, kind of like happening all at once, to that that might impact on the the cost to uh, kind of like get food into the stores. Um, you 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 have a, a real potential to see some potentially drastic increases um, if things go in a certain direction, uh, and that, as you say, has some potentially really negative consequences for 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 well, not 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 even just um, you know people who are you know on universal credit, but everything from like the the, the middle class uh, up up towards the middle class as well will, will feel that pinch. And get that and get squeezed it might only affect them in terms of you know how much expendable income that they have to throw on things but that still actually matters because that expendable income is what fuels the economy in a lot of ways it's buying these things that we don't necessarily need um for the for the day-to-day -day that, that that drives a lot of our, our economy steve haynes their champion of a consumerist society um, send him all your plastic tat um <laughs> I suppose the other thing to say, obviously, as well, is that um, there, there's a solution that's in the Sarah O'Connor article, actually, which is, involves unions. So in the Netherlands, there is there, there's a collective agreement negotiated between employers and union groups, and that sets a floor on pay and conditions. So that collective agreement becomes law, so transport suppliers can say to their customers, no, we can't go cheaper than that, you know, we can't undercut these 
this, these prices, it has to be this level. And again, I, we've talked about, about that on podcasts in the, in the past. Now you talk with LJ when I was on my sabbatical that it, the issue of not having that kind of those trading is that collective agreement across a group of different sectors has led to a massive it is a massive issue. And so if you can find a way of sort of collectivizing workers so you can unionize, that has a massive impact as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we have had a string of new, uh, you know, heads of the of various unions kind of re- relatively recently um, kind of like elected into uh, into their positions. So who knows, maybe with a bit of change of leadership, we might actually see some uh, some positive movements there. Uh, but it's still going to be an upward upward climb. And I, I suspect you're, you're, you're probably right. And that's really the only approach you could, you could see, which is basically get an agreement in place, make that agreement law. So it's, it's almost like the government, like in this instance, the conservative government could blame, can, can kind of save a rattle at the unions and go, oh, they forced us into it. And the unions can, uh, and the unions can, uh, uh, can go, no, we have to do this. It's the only way to protect our members. We don't want to do this necessarily because we know of its wider impacts, but it's what we're for. And that everybody can kind of like point the blame at someone else almost. He's got this kind of Spider-Man theme that's been done too many times. But well, I think you'll find. Uh... But so it, it, it's the, again, I think part of it is just being able to explain actually things cost money that you're, you're yeah. paying for this. And again, my spending is your income, your spending is my income. You're buying, and it's not just, you know, joke about consumerism. It's more like the, the things you are buying day to day. The cost of that is the price of, the food price has gone up, but it's the cost of living in a civilized society. It's not just sort of naked profiteering. Yeah, I was going to say the the other thing, kind of like policy thing that would 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 potentially help in terms of the truck drivers for potentially for for definite, maybe not so much fruit pickers and things like that due to the seasonal nature and everything. Um, but uh, is the the government is in a position where they can make exceptions and exemptions for. Um, you know, uh, immigration visas and, and things like that. And I suspect there will probably be um, something like that forthcoming uh, relatively quickly um, in order to try and get in some of the, uh, or potentially get back some of the individuals who were doing it in the UK, but are no longer because they've gone gone back to, to, back to Europe. But even then, that may not be sufficient enough, even with increased wages and everything, because... I think one of the other points in the uh, Sarah Connor thread was actually if you compare and contrast uh, Britain to places like Germany, roadside services and things like that are a hell of a lot better in Germany than they are in the UK because at some point they decided to you know just focus on that um, and you know in, invest in infrastructure on, on that when we outside of you know having I don't know a Wimpy's and a Little Chef like uh, along the M5 like. That's literally the only service station in the UK. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. lorry driver has to... That's, that's to go for that one. But, but you get new, what I mean. Though. A new deal for service stations. Indeed. Um, actually, it's probably my first meals out at a Little Chef's on motorway service stations. Got a special place in my bowels. Is Little Chef um, even still a thing? Not sure. Well, they, they made him... Oh, they did slim him down, didn't they? I, I, I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. But, but yeah, like just having actually some infrastructure there to actually make their lives a little bit better or more bearable um and you know in those sorts of jobs a little goes a long way yeah but again it's part of the problem is it's that championing of a flexible labor market over proper paying conditions we uh, we've probably gone long enough without talking about brexit but just to go back to the the article so we've sort of talked about some of the long-term structural issues about 
the aging workforce about unsociable hours about why that's a, an issue however in the uk uh, and again that's an issue in lots of other countries in the uk there were a couple of things that were sort of papering over the cracks a bit one of them was that there were a supply of drivers from the eu say from countries like poland where okay for uk workers actually it's not great pay as we said not rising as much compared to other industries but in poland obviously lower cost of living so therefore does pay for drivers to come over now that was starting to ease off anyway without brexit just because of various the cost of living in uk and poland sort of converging but was an issue the other thing was as we've said they are the unregulated labor market actually what drivers could do was set up as limited companies so although they were really employees they would become a, a company and that raised their take-home pay but that was at the cost of workers rights and that loophole it was called an ir35 that was closed uh, earlier this year and brexit happened meaning i think 1.3 million foreign workers have gone back from and left the uk and also there was a pandemic and so you've got three well two massive shocks to your internal supply chain plus your other loopholes so you've kind of got a bit of a you've got a triple whammy on top of a structural problem yeah. and that is massively complicated and so again and this is where brexit comes in where actually a lot of the policy solutions we could have done as part of the eu there's no reason we couldn't raise living wage we can increase collective bargaining rights you know the netherlands is in the eu is able to do things germany's in the eu able to do these kind of things so it's not just it's not just brexit but it it definitely hasn't helped no what one would i would say it's uh, actively hindering if not making it worse hmm. um and uh, yeah it's it's this is this is the sort of thing where actually it probably does require um, a bit of creativity in terms of problem solving and kind of like policy agendas and things like that because like if, if we go back to what we we're saying about you know roadside infrastructure and things like that um it's the sort of thing which requires money to invest in in some form but it's also the sort of thing which it's not exactly the sort of thing you really want to put into the budget <laughs> uh and kind of like make a headline talking point but it's the sort of thing that needs to go in there um in order to make a a, a meaningful difference and it's the sort of stuff which will get dumped on by a great height by certain parts of the press, um, almost no matter who um, is doing it, because you're, it would just be portrayed as, oh, we're making comfy beds for people to, to sleep on the roadside or, or whatever. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. We're trying to make it better so that we can keep society moving. Well, this is part of the issue in terms of, say, the pandemic prep, where, say, supplies of PPE weren't really renewed. It was almost seen as... That, that that kind of first level of austerity where it was about reducing sort of waste and bureaucracy yeah. needless spending actually a lot of it was contingency planning that didn't happen and you're right i, I mean um collective bargaining rights and the new deal for service stations and say i mean what what you could do if you're going to we've talked about sort of the furlough scheme ending actually you could pay and retrain people if they wanted to to yeah. work in logistics where you're probably guaranteed a job for life with and if you were to have a decent pay and benefits alongside that and have a regular yeah and you could and perhaps this is one of the things that uh that, that as a kind of a governmental policy prescription could be brought in here is um that in order to kind of like become a truck driver you do need a qualification 
if you just make it so that you're basically saying we if people want to actually do this whether it be they just want a career change or they have you know lost their job and they need a career and they need a new a new vacation we'll pay for that for you and that's a cheaper way potentially to do it. Is that, it's encouraging that lifelong learning. What we really need, Steve, is a national education service. I will jump across this table and throttle you for utilising that term without actually explaining what it means or what the meaningfulness behind it is. It's lifelong learning for retraining people. To go back to your point from before, the cost of not doing anything, the costs of inaction are potentially massively problematic because you've got... Um, supermarkets warning and supply chains warning that Christmas could be cancelled because if it food chains affect Christmas shelves, then you have panic buying. It won't just be toilet rolls. It'll be all all manner of things. Yeah. But on that cheery note, <laughs> if Christmas is cancelled, of course, what you'll need is a constant stream of steady podcasts to get you through those long winter evenings. So why don't you do your preparation, any listeners, and make sure you've got a steady supply of <laughs> yeah what could you possibly do to guarantee that oh we could head over to patreon.com slash not enough champagne uh where for but well, where but for uh, two pounds every month over the year you'll be able to build up enough of a enough of a reserve of uh you know you know um podcasts that are unique to the patreon and our supporters that you'll be able to get through your turkeyless christmas our website's not <laughs> sorry turkeyless is um it's a phrase, isn't it? <laughs> Turkey-free Christmas? What would you prefer? don't know. I was trying to make some joke about how Turkey isn't in the EU either, but thought probably wasn't worth it. Our website is notenoughchampagne.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash notenoughchampagne. Dave Depper composed our theme tune for Good Times. James Cram designed the logo. You can follow him on Twitter at James Cram. I'm at Paperback Rioter. Uh, I'm at Acoustic Radical. Happy plotting. Happy plotting.